Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode oh, 167. Yeah, 167. I've got a great guest today. Uh, Eve Beglarian will be joining me for this show. I'm trying something new. Um, I actually interviewed her in person with my portable recorder in her apartment. So it's like, I don't know, kind of different. So, uh, and I'm just going to play some of her music, play the interview, and uh, just knock this little, I almost said knock this bad boy out of here and. I would punch me if I said that. Here's <laughs> in and out of the game. This is a composition by Eve Beglarian from her EP that was just released, Songs from the River Project 2. And she'll be telling us all about that and more after this. Thank you. 
Okay, so we just listened to In and Out of the Game by Eve Bigler, and it was so weird doing a. I always do these over Skype too, so it's like, oh, oh man. right, we're uh, in person. It's we're weird. <laughs> and uh, so Eve is here, as you can I'm not hear. Fix it. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. Um, so we're here. We go. We're gonna yeah. talk. Um, so let's talk about In and Out of the Game since we just listened to it. Um, there's a story behind it, and I can't remember the whole thing. Yeah, the piece was. Um, it was originally written for a dance piece, in fact, uh, before I kayaked and bicycled down the Mississippi River. I wrote it in 2008 for a dance piece that I made for um, David Newman. And, um, and then when I went down the river, I had this experience in Cape Girardeau where I met this man who was uh, in his 80s and very sort of jaunty and friendly and lovely but who then admitted to me that he was considering suicide and it was this really sort of powerful exchange that we had in this cafe in Cape Girardeau um, and I felt really um, badly that I couldn't help him in his despair. Mm -hmm. um, and the day before, I had been paddling, and I had come across uh, these birds flying and filmed it. And so I made a movie of the birds and with this music, the, the trombone music I had written, and that became In and Out of the Game. Uh, one of the things I think about about taking a journey like the journey I took down the river is that you end up being a stranger walking into town and you end up having this role as a stranger that's really important for the people who live in the town mm -hmm. because they need to be able to talk to people and and a stranger is a person you can confess to without it becoming part of the gossip mill in the town itself. And I really felt as I did the journey that I learned how to inhabit that role as a stranger, a certain kind of openness and availability to other people that wasn't like being a journalist, but more just being there. And it was striking how, as the journey continued, it didn't happen right away, but as I settled into the journey, it happened quite often that people would, you know, talk to me for, sometimes for hours. I mean, it was really kind of striking. You Did, know? Was it partly the safety of the fact that you were there and you were going to be gone? I think, yes, the fact that I was so clearly uh, a traveler, a sojourner, mm -hmm. and that I wasn't going to be there for a long time, and that I was on a journey, which meant, which I think signifies to people, whether they're conscious of it or not, that I'm in a state of transition. And so perhaps I'm a little more open to hearing confessions, if you will, mm -hmm. um, than 
than somebody who's you know on a business trip. It's a different thing, right? You know, um, and you have to be alone for this to happen. If you if you're traveling with another person, that won't ever happen because you're somehow turned inward to the other person you're traveling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way I set up the journey was. I had a kayak, I had a bicycle, and I had a car. And on any given day, one of us would take the kayak, the other would take, or or the bicycle, depending, um, and the other would take the car. And, And so that gave us the chance to travel during the day independently and have whatever experience we were gonna have either on the river or in towns near the river if we were driving. And, and then we could gather in the evening and set up camp and hang out and have the sort of comfort of companionship and social right. interaction. So it was sort of, for me, the right balance between being out there and alone on one hand and, and having companionship that without <clears throat> which the trip would have been hard for me. I would have gotten really lonely. We should backtrack a little bit because, <laughs> like the, uh, we covered most of the journey, but the purpose of it was, you traveled the Mississippi, the entire length, the most of the yeah, length, pretty much from from the headwaters, which are in northern Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, to New Orleans, and uh, the idea was to do it at a human-powered pace, so. We either kayaked or biked um, each day. Um, in, in the early part of the river, I did far more kayaking than biking. And in the later part of the river, I did far more biking than kayaking. Mm-hmm. Because as the river gets bigger and bigger, it gets more like a superhighway. Uh-huh. And just like it would be possible to bike on a superhighway, it wouldn't be really very fun. I mean, you could probably do it without getting killed, but... <laughs> That's that probably that you is know, the issue. And, and what are you getting out of it, exactly, yeah. other than being able to say that you've <laughs> done it, assuming you don't die. You right. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and so what was, what was good about that, doing it slowly, doing it, letting the, the biker or the kayaker set the pace, Mm-hmm. was really important because you're immediately traveling at a sort of 19th century pace instead of a 20th or 21st century pace. Um, you're not likely to do more than, say, 40 miles a day. Um, and it also means that the person driving the car, the person who's not doing the physical journey um, but is driving the car, has a chance to sort of wander around and have adventures on land and in the towns that line the river. Mm-hmm. Um, and those towns are pretty interesting because they're some of the oldest towns in America because, because, because they're on the river. And, and when you're traveling with the river as your guide, you also enter the towns from the waterfront and and so instead of having the conventional entrance to the town, which nowadays is off the highway, 
which is covered with all the same strip malls mm -hmm. from coast to coast right. that are everywhere, right? Um, if you come in via the waterfront, that's the oldest part of town. Okay. And, and generally is either abandoned or is still like it was in the old days. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't generally have McDonald's and Burger King and Kmart and Walmart right in the middle of downtown. Yeah. Those are out by the highway. And That's interesting to think of. You're coming in like the back way. Of, of, yeah. That's cool. I, you're coming in the original front way, which yeah. is now the back way, which means that you're traveling in 19th century America or sometimes 18th century America in this really powerful way. So about your work, I, don't, I haven't exactly formulated this question, but years ago, right after I moved to New York, we had a conversation where you mentioned a time in your life because you were producing books on tape. Mm -hmm. And there came a point where you decided no more and you were just going to do your own work. What was that like? <laughs> That's sort of a vague question. Well, what, do you feel like there was something that got you to that point where you, where you were ready to say, like, that's it. I'm. Um, I think I felt at the time that in order to go to the next level in my work, mm -hmm. I needed to take that risk. I needed to uh, not have, in a way, a day job that I could depend on. Mm -hmm. um, and. And in retrospect, I'm not sure, well, it's hard to say, I'm not sure, that it really makes as much difference as, as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that's, because the thing that's hard about making your living doing the thing you love is that you might end up, it's possible to get confused about what projects you get involved in mm -hmm. um, on the basis of whether, you know, they're going to generate income for you or not. So the minute you monetize the thing you love, your relation to it then gets complicated by the fact that you need to earn a living. Right. right? Yeah. Whereas if you're making your money over here, then you really can do whatever you want over here because you're not worried about getting rent paid out of the income you're generating from that thing. Yeah. When I quit doing audiobooks and decided to live just on composing, I was in a place where... I felt like I could make enough money from my work and I'd established what my work is mm -hmm. well enough that I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to start writing commercial jingles and think that that was what I wanted to do with my life. Gotcha. Yeah. I wasn't going to get confused about that. And, and simply being able to free up the time and the flexibility to, to follow whatever interest I have when I get interested in it, it has really been worth it to me. Um, 
And but it's not really a division between um, having a day job or you know earning a living doing something else, because there are people who have who are living by composing, but who have no freedom to decide. You know, this year I want to do X. This year I want to paddle down the Mississippi. Right. Right. I decided that in in September of 2008, and I did it in starting in August of 2009. That's an incredibly short turnaround from oh, yeah. the conception of the project to actually being able to do the project. And if I had five years of commissions laid out, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would have right. had to wait five years to finish all, the, all of my commitments. Um, but I was able to fit the commitments I had in and around um, this this thing that came upon me that I needed to do, yeah, and that is what I'm willing to give up middle classness for. To me, that freedom to mm -hmm. say, "Oh, I want to follow this interest," and pretty much be able to reshape, you know, a year ahead in such a way that I can follow that interest. That's an incredible gift of freedom. Yeah. That, and in a way, it might be easier to do that with a day job or with a freelance job, mm -hmm. like audiobook produce, producing, yeah. than, than, you know, if I was touring with a band, you know, it's booked years in advance, mm -hmm. and I can't get out of that. I have to do it. Yeah. You know, so... So, again, it's a binary that I don't think, at this point, mm -hmm. the perspective I have is that it's not, the useful binary isn't so much, do you have a day job, do you do something else to subsidize your, your artistic life, your composing life? Yeah. It's, do you have enough autonomy in your life that you can make choices about what, what you want to do with your time and your energy with relative flexibility, and if the answer is yes, you're in great shape. It's my you yeah. Know, that's, that's an my interesting idea. like. That's funny. Yeah, I, th I throw I, a lot of these questions I ask just out of my own like experience and path. Um, but a lot of times I'm like oh, I don't want to be teaching. But in that uh, description of like a good setup, I'm I'm set. Yeah. Even though I like oh the kids are snotty and I'm having a you know like whatever. It's, I have yeah. a pretty good setup. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to think of it that way. One of the things you said, you you were talking about the journey down the river. Down the river? Up the river? Down. Along. <laughs> um, you said it was something that you needed to do. Is that, like, is that, <laughs> is that something internal, something spiritual, something just really you wanted to do it so badly like where did that need come from if that really is what it was yeah it definitely felt like a need like a calling like like you know you are going to do this like I just had to um, and and in retrospect I think it was you know it had elements of a political statement, mm -hmm. right? You know, I got the idea when the economy crashed. 
and when Obama got elected. And I had this sense simultaneously that, oh yeah, I am an American and I, I'm proud to be an American because we just elected, you know, Barack Obama after all these years of not being able to recognize my country. Uh-huh. Or that's what it felt like at the time. And, you know, I think we've forgotten the sense of just joy and amazement that we that we all felt, or most of us felt, or those of us <laughs> listening to this podcast most yeah. likely felt, um, you know, at the election of Obama. It's not the same now, but at that yeah. time, it was just like, wow, we actually did this. Like, amazing thing, uh-huh. you know. Um, so there was that, and then there was the crash. And I thought, okay, I can sit in New York and sweat and try to figure out how I'm going to make a living. Or I can take this as a as a as an opportunity to to sort of marginalize myself further um, and that seemed really 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 important to do and and I suppose in retrospect it's it was a sort of midlife thing mm-hmm. you know of I've been living in New York and being a composer and sort of part of the scene here for 25 years or whatever it is, and it's time to get a different perspective on what what this is, um, you know, what this life is, and meet yeah. people whom I would never meet going about my daily round. And, and part of what made me believe I could do it because I mean I hadn't ever taken a long distance kayak journey in my life mm-hmm. I mean I'm you know. oh that's awesome. that just <laughs> I mean, on me too that was like two months of figuring out how to do the whole kayaking thing too right uh, it was September wait yeah September oh, 2008 and I left and I mean we we started in August right and you know so it was almost a year right 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 uh, but what I think what gave me the sense that I could do it was more that every summer for 10 years now, I've lived outdoors all summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some land up in, up in Vermont um, where I basically camp. Uh, it doesn't have a house. And, uh, and so I've gotten used to living outdoors, you know, washing dishes in the stream, you know, cooking over a fire, uh, going to the library to get internet, uh, you know, sort of, you know, being able to deal with days of rain without, you know, freaking out or whatever, (laughs) you know. Um, And those summers um, gave me enough experience at that that I was completely comfortable with the idea of living outdoors for four months. Mm It didn't seem, you know, particularly daunting to me because I'd, because I'd done it. Right. Um, so the only thing that was added to it was the business of, of kayaking, which I didn't have a lot of experience with. But the nice thing about that is that the river starts out really small and really easy and really not terribly challenging. And if you're paddling every other day, 
you get good at it. I mean, and so as, yeah. the, as it gets more treacherous, you're yeah, you're actually developing your skills. So that yeah. by the time I was down, you know, in in water that was dangerous or difficult to negotiate, I'd put in many hundreds of hours in a kayak and just learned by doing. I mean, you know, it's it's not. It's probably easier just to learn by putting in the hours. Yeah. You don't really have to take lessons, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll figure it out pretty much. Nice. <laughs> so we were going <laughs> to let a piece magically emerge, and I don't know if one did. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I suppose the... Uh, the other one that seems like a good introduction to the project, even though it's not documentary in any way, is I'm really a very simple person. Okay. Um, it was the first piece I wrote after doing the journey. Uh, so I wrote it in early January, right after I arrived at, at this artist colony in California called Montalvo. And, and the title comes from something, uh, a visual artist I met in Vicksburg. Her name is Chris Porter. And she said to me in one of these long conversations that I was describing earlier, because we had never met before. I mean, we met in Vicksburg when I got to Vicksburg. Um, and she said to me, I'm really a very simple person. Mm. And uh, she was not telling the truth. <laughs> in fact, anyone who ever says, I'm really a very simple person, is lying. Right. You can be sure of that. Good I to mean, know. I'll know that. <laughs> So, um, so the piece is sort of on the surf on its surface seems like it might be simple, mm -hmm. but if you try singing along with it, you'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all solfege. <laughs> yeah, with guitar. Or? Yeah, it can be guitar. It can be you know whatever the accompaniment. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun watching you <laughs> perform it at the old stone house. Is yeah. that the name of that place? Yeah. Because I'd only seen you perform it one other time, and it was with an ensemble of singers. Right. Um, so it was cool to see the looping action that was going on. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love those moments when I was like, wait, okay. <laughs> like, trying to figure out what's happening. It's yeah. fun for me. Cool. So we'll give that a listen and say goodbye. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Sure, my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you.
Performing as Brim, that was Eve Beglarian with I Am Really a Very Simple Person. That was from her first Songs from the River Project EP. And that is the show for today. Thanks again to Eve for joining me today. You can check out her work, uh, lots of samples of things, and uh, you can download scores and um, all kinds of awesomeness at evbvd.com. You can visit me, Mikey Pod. Dot com. Send me an email, mikeypod at gmail.com. I would, in fact, love to hear what you thought about this episode, especially. There's a lot of background noise. Um, she lives right on 6th Avenue, so there's lots of racket. A lot of people really seem to like that. So did you. I'm curious about this sort of style, so let me know what you think. Um, I think it's fun.
personally. Um, I think that's all I've got for you. Uh, I'm going to have another podcast up this weekend. I am doing a little catch up. I have uh, some interviews coming up. Uh, I have the artistic directors from the Vital Vox Festival that's coming up in a couple of weeks here in New York City. Um, Steve, Steve, I almost said Steve Beglarian. <laughs> that, that rhymes. No, Steven Stratford is going to be joining me in a week or so as well. Probably next week. So um, be ready for all that stuff. Let me know. Um, let me hear from you. I, I, all right. Thanks for listening.